What advice would you give an aspiring investor six to 12 months behind you? I'd say for someone my age, I'd be like, don't try to force your legitimacy mm-hmm. onto people. Yeah. You know, coming as a 23 year old senior college student trying to raise a large sum of money, I found myself overcompensating a lot yeah. on my legitimacy. And I'm like, just be authentic. Like it's your authenticity is going to come now and you can let it come now or you're gonna have to it's gonna come out in bad ways later this is the diary of an apartment investor podcast and i'm your host brian briscoe and this podcast is designed for the aspiring apartment investor and literally gives them the opportunity to ask the questions that will help them get to the next level So if you're an aspiring apartment investor, this podcast is for you. Now, this podcast is brought to you by the Tribe of Titans Multifamily Educational Community. It's your one-stop shop for learning how to succeed at apartment investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Very excited for today's show. We've got uh, one of our Tribe of Titans members on the line with us today. It's Briar Bears, and we're going to talk about uh, a first deal that he recently closed, 32 units in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So, Briar, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Brian. I'm lucky to be here, man. I appreciate you bringing me on. Absolutely. You know, my, absolutely my pleasure. First of all, let's let's start out by getting to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and and you know, how you got into you know multifamily real estate. Sure. So I'm 23. I was born in uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I grew up and I went to high school around Flint, Michigan, in a really small town called Millington. I was an athlete in high school. I played football in college at uh, the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. How I got into real estate really was during COVID, all the cadets went home and I suddenly had an absurd amount of time on my hands. You know, My twin brother, Bryce, plays quarterback at New Mexico State, actually. He was home at the same time. Like we got a ton of free time. We're on TikTok, right? And like mm-hmm. Bryce looks at me one day, he's like, dude, we should invest in rental properties. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, that's a great idea, man. Later that semester, now I'm a junior at West Point. All cadets get this thing called a career starter loan. Mm-hmm. It's open to ROTC yeah. cadets as well. And so it's like a $36,000 loan at about 0.75% interest. You use it for like moving. Free, it's free money. If you free, free money. Point seven five. If you use it right, you got to pay it back. Yeah, you use exactly. It right. Yeah, like a big cash. It's like a big pay advance almost. Yeah. When, when I commissioned, you know, and it's kind of sad to say, most people use that money to like buy a truck, you know, and it was just like, yeah, yeah thirty six thousand. Actually, when I commissioned, it was twenty five thousand starter loan. Yeah, yeah, it was. Most people use it to like buy a truck or something like that. But yeah. anyway, go back. A lot to of people. Yeah, that's what they tell us to do. A lot of like, you, we have briefs on this, right? Mm-hmm. So they tell us like, okay, you're getting a lot of money. Don't go put it all on black, you know, at, at in Atlantic city, like get a car, you should buy a good suit or something. And I'm yeah. like, no, I'll like, okay, I'll get do something smart with it. Like yeah. buy a truck. Yeah. Yeah. I'll really? get like a used truck to like have, cause yeah. I, I need a vehicle. The rest we, we bought section eight rentals in mm-hmm. Flint. And so that's how we got started. And we've been able to grow that business in, in Michigan with uh, uh, our best friend and my twin brother. And then that same time frame, I went on Facebook and there's mm-hmm. a really strong real estate group with West Point grads. Mm-hmm. And so I said, hey, 
you know, I'm getting an influx of capital. I want to jump into real estate. I want to take action now. Like who, who should I talk to? I got a ton of comments, ton of feedback, a lot of the same stuff, like go buy a couple good suits, man. And I'm like, nope, I already been there, not doing that. And then someone said, reach out to Jordan Isham, who's one of my partners in my Tennessee home solution. Mm-hmm. And then, so me and Jordan talked for several weeks. He was kind of vetting me to make sure I was serious because he had been wholesaling and flipping for a, uh, a few years. Mm-hmm. So he put Jordan and our other partner, Trey Chandler, really crazy because they had been talking about it for a couple of weeks at the same time. And then mm-hmm. one day in January of now 2021, just put us in a group chat and the three of us is like, all right, here's the team. And at that time we weren't doing any multifamily. Mm-hmm. We're going to start wholesaling and flipping in volume. My Tennessee Home Solution was born then. And since then, we've kind of built our marketing and doing a lot of high volume wholesaling and flipping in Nashville, Clarksville, uh-huh. a little bit of Memphis. And that's kind of like the very base of our business right now. So it started out wholesaling, flipping in Tennessee, Yep. yep. Um, Nashville, Memphis. Now, forgive me for being geographically challenged. How far? So you, this is Chattanooga. How far is Chattanooga from where you guys were doing the wholesaling and flipping business? Our office is in Nashville mm-hmm. and Chattanooga, where the deal is, is a uh, like two hours east. Okay. So still in Tennessee, but you know, a short, nice drive on the highway. We jumped into that after building out a single family thing because Jordan and Trey are transitioning out of the military now. Mm-hmm. So now their W-2 is going to be kind of re- replaced by the army. Mm-hmm. We're going to replace it with my Tennessee home solution business that's grown to you know, four full-time employees and nice office in East Nashville. So that's going to replace our W-2 there now, W-2 income. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to jump into more multifamily, like the Chattanooga deal. Awesome. Awesome. So you you literally got started during COVID jumping into some, some networking groups on social media platforms. Yeah. At the very met, beginning. Yeah. Wow. Met some people and took off from there. And you you leveraged, you know, this this short-term loan, this this career starter loan that mo- a lot of military members can get when they're starting out to, to ba- basically kickstart it using like 0.75% interest, which right now is ridiculous. We're recording this mid-July. We just got the June stats for inflation. We had 9% inflation last year. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you're, you're when I say free money, I mean, I really mean free money because you're, you're paying back you know, you got thirty five thousand right now. That same lump of money's worth, you know, thirty two in last year's dollars, and you're paying it yeah. back at a at a much lower rate. So it's it's crazy how that works out. But you got low interest. You you started using it to invest. Things have snowballed from there. Yeah, and now we've built out uh, about eight to twelve single family deals a month in Nashville. Um, really like honing in on a lean team and a lean process. And now like we're really excited about where we're going to be going with multifamily and networks like Travel Titans mm-hmm. and uh, multifamily focused networks to really start building the generational wealth that everyone in real estate like kind of wants. So it was really like the textbook advance is like wholesaling, then you know, learn how to flip and rehab. Yeah. And then for us, it worked out perfectly because now we're jumping into midsize multifamily at 32 units. And then our yeah. next he raises, we're hoping, you know, 50 to 100. Yeah. We'll get up to those bigger numbers. And, and something nice about that progression is anybody can do it. You know, a lot of people start with wholesaling because you don't need a lot of money to start with wholesaling. You know, if you, if you want to just go out and start, 
buying investment properties, you usually need a lot of capital. But you know, if you're starting out with wholesaling, you don't need a lot of money. You know, you can yeah. you can go out, just do a lot of hustle, do a wholesale, get a get a paycheck, and then start using those paychecks from wholesaling to do the flips and 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 yeah, build the rest of your business. Yeah, what, what I like about that model, like I said, is you don't have to have money to start. You don't have to have experience to start either. You can just start, you know, hustling, finding deals, finding buyers and putting those deals together and grow from there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, a, and you learn every step of the way too. you learn something new. So then yeah. by the time it's multifamily, it's like, okay, I know how to rehab. I know how to source other investors. I know how to get capital where otherwise normal people wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's start talking about this, this 32 unit. I mean, usually we spend some time talking about team. We've already discussed how you found your team, how you guys came together. But let's talk about finding this 32 unit. And actually before, before finding this 32 unit, I mean, you mentioned that you were wholesaling and flipping and doing these single family homes. Why the switch to multifamily? Why'd you guys branch off into multifamily? Like I, like I said before, I mean, that, that's always, that was always the blueprint. That was always the plan. And all right, we need wholesale and flip income to replace our W-2s as my partners are transitioning out. And then now that that is a stable enterprise, we can start going into the generational wealth of the big, exciting multifamily stuff. But we're very like, we try to stay really focused on securing the W-2 just because we'll work better when we're not stressed about the next paycheck. Oh, yeah. Family is a very low paycheck business, or not low paycheck, but in terms of the times you're being paid, like you can you can not get paid for two to five years. Yeah. So oh, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, sure. I, I I left my W two about a year ago, and you know this year I'll make more from multifamily than I did last year from you know, and I was I was a lieutenant colonel in the military, so you know you 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 know exactly how much I make. Uh, or I made it's 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 a lot different. It's not it's not hitting my bank account every two weeks with the same consistent mm-hmm. number. It's a big chunk one month, and then maybe two months with nothing, and then another big chunk here, and then a couple of months, and then another big chunk. When you add all those big chunks up, it ends up being a lot more. It's just a, a very different. It takes some getting used to. Is all I'll say. But yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. If if you're not stressed about where the money's coming from, you know, it's a lot easier to get into good deals because you're not you're not trying to force anything. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, so you guys, the ultimate goal is to get into multifamily. So, how did you find this particular property? So, yeah, you know, we're rookies because we found on LoopNet. My partner Jordan was just scrolling on LoopNet because we had decided, like, okay, we're going to submit some LOIs. We we didn't really know how to submit an LOI yet. We submitted one to like eighteen duplexes, mm-hmm. and you know, the guy was like, "These guys are inexperienced. No way." So then we came to the hotel that mm-hmm. was also on LoopNet. And uh, it was under contract at the time. Jordan called the agent or the broker on it. And she told us, she was like, yeah, it's under contract, but this guy's extended a ton. You know, it's not looking like this is going to close. Like we'll take backup offers. And we got our LOI submitted as the backup. And sure enough, he didn't close on it. So it came to us, we got it locked up, you know, yeah, that was in November. And then the capital raising marathon began right there. Yeah. That, that, that's something, I think that's a learning point for a lot of people, just because something's under contract, you know, I've seen different stats and I don't know what the exact number is, but there is a, a good percentage of properties that get under contract that never close. 
All right. A lot of people will back out of properties for, for many reasons. You know, sometimes it's sometimes there's a problem with the property. And I think when people back out, that's the assumption. But other times it could be a problem with financing. It could be a problem with, you know, capital raise. Yeah. Um, there's, there's lots of reasons why people back out of contracts. When, when properties go under contract, that doesn't mean that the deal's dead. That doesn't mean that it's completely off the table. And yeah. I like what you guys did. You put in the backup offer and you just said, hey, if this ever comes off the table, if this ever falls out of contract, let us know. We're interested. Here's our LOI. And, and there you go. I, I think that's uh, that's a, that was a smart move. And you know, looks like it turned out well for you. Yeah. Yeah. We we were we had a great agent on it. The broker really helped us out and talked us through, like, okay, fix your LOI here, here, here. And then she took in like, okay, this will be, mm-hmm. this is a solid backup. So we got it under contract for 2.45 mm-hmm. and uh, officially started our due diligence in November and we okay. ended up closing in February. All right. So tell us a little bit about the property and also what your business plan is with the property. It's a 32 unit motel in mm-hmm. Chattanooga, Tennessee. And so when we bought it, it was half a motel, mm-hmm. like already running, cash flowing. Um, and the other half was all long-term rentals and it was like, it was like class E long-term <laughs> rent, like really dumpy long-term rentals that weren't cash flowing. So the entire property was cash flow positive mm-hmm. only with half of it being like operational. Mm-hmm. And when I say motel, it's a motel, but we, we list all the units on Airbnb mm-hmm. and that's what they were doing too. So it was kind of a perfect scenario for a first deal. Because mm-hmm. we're really finishing, you know, a half half done project. It was like a, they were mom and pop owners. They didn't want to finish. They didn't want. They didn't want to evict the other seventeen people in the other half. They didn't want to do the big rehab. And we were like, we were hungry. We were all over it. So yeah. We're like, yeah, we'll, we'll take this. We'll finish half the stuff that's already done. Yeah. Nice. So so thirty two units, half half long term rentals, half short term rentals. And you guys come in with a little bit of a renovation budget. So tell tell us about the renovation plan. You know what what were you guys what are you guys fixing? What do you plan to fix? And um, why did you choose those certain things? Obvious, like big value add strategy. Half that is cash flowing. Mm-hmm. We took them all offline and just walked through them with the property manager. And we took them from like pretty well done, but with some cheap improvements. Like mm-hmm. some of the stuff was like falling. It was just like. It wasn't the quality we wanted. So we put about a hundred K into those, okay. make them like, like pristine. And mm-hmm. so we got like new shower doors and stuff like that. So we put about a hundred K in that and that's all done. We just finished that. They're all up and listed. And then um, the other half is like the big, the big project. That's going to be about like a half million or, or probably more of renovations there where mm-hmm. evict all of them. Evict all the long-term tenants. There's a lot, mm-hmm. lot, a lot of police work went into that. A lot of uh, drugs and bad mojo going on there, and so we evicted all of them. And now we're we just demoed everything. Mm-hmm. So now that we've demoed everything there, um, we're getting permits uh, to make sure everything's clean. We're redoing the whole septic system. Mm-hmm. Rezoned it. We put outdoor amenities. We're just trying to make it so that when we exit in about year five. It's a very clean handoff, so we can lower the risk for you know yeah. whoever buys it after us. So then we can drive that cap rent up because it's such a much more stable investment because it has all the paperwork, mm-hmm. zoning is clear. Here's the septic information, all that. So we just want to make it as 
easy as possible for whoever we sell it to on the yeah. back end. You know, and, and you make a point that I think a lot of, I mean, you called yourself a rookie earlier. You made a point that I think a lot of rookie investors don't understand. You said drive the cap rate down. Yeah. Right. And I, I love that you said that because, you know, that that's one way that a lot of people don't realize that they can make money. You know, a lot of people look at cap rates as being something that's fixed, but, you know, you can drive a cap rate down by changing the asset class. You can drive a cap rate down by reducing the risk. And so you're replacing the tenant base. You're, you're, you're taking, you know, the high risk tenants and you're putting low risk tenants in. You're, you're doing a lot of renovations that could take it from, you know, a C to a B or, or wherever it's at. But with those renovations, you also drive the cap rate down because you're making the property better. And every I think everybody realizes that the cap rate between A and B and B and C are, are different. There, there's there's variations there, but if you can move a property, you know, from a C to a B or B to an A, you know, you absolutely drive that cap rate down. So anyway, just just wanted to explain that to, to the listeners real quick. But uh, so lots of renovations, lots of you know people moving out. You're you're going through did all the demo, and now you're you're fixing things back up. Um, what's the plan for managing it uh, in, in the future? Yeah, so we have a great property manager on it. Uh, PMI, uh, Scenic City, mm-hmm. their Chattanooga base, Ian Pfeiffer is our property manager. So he's really he's been a huge help, like from, from evictions to now managing uh, the Airbnb part of it too. He's been a huge help, um, like, slight plug here ian pfeiffer out of chattanooga if anyone's doing <laughs> short-term rentals like i gotta give that guy some credit man he, he's your he, guy okay he's a monster yeah. he's awesome nice 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 so so running running a lot of short-term rentals out of it i mean it, it's it's a motel so i guess that's a that's a short-term rental all by itself now let's 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 rewind the clock a little bit between con back back to contract to close you talked a little bit about the due diligence and we've talked about how you've the business plan and how you guys have started to execute. But let's talk about you know the capital raise and let's also talk about getting from contract to close. Tell us first about the capital raise. How much did you guys have to raise and how did that go for you guys? We were, I think everyone goes into the first capital raise like way more optimistic than they should be. <laughs> and so we were uh we were saying okay 1.1 is our target, right? Mm-hmm. We'll take up to 1.3, but we can start with 900 and then let the cash flow of the property fill in the rest. We started 506B syndication, got a great securities lawyer out of Colorado that we got from some uh, multifamily mentors that are also Westmont grads. We just started plugging into our network, uh, specifically our West Point old grad network mm-hmm. that a lot of t- my partners have built since they've been grads for four or five years. And I started reaching out to anyone and any, everyone, you know, yeah. sending up the deck to, especially the first one, anyone we knew, anyone in our contact list that we could prove we had a prior relationship with, we're plugging it. And then yeah. we're starting away, got some, you know, our minimum was 50 K. So we start getting a couple soft commitments and then um, reached out to some bigger players in the West Point real estate space that do mm-hmm. a lot of big development in the Austin area that, you know, really helped us out. And even like, adjusted 
the structure halfway through because mm-hmm. we send out this deck and a very experienced mentor of ours was like, yeah, this is, you know, this is messed up. Like, yeah, this should, we got to switch the structure here. And uh, so we switched it, sent it out. And then it's made like all the difference, you know, reached out. I'm very blessed to be at West Point where a lot of uh, high influential families are from. So I can reach out. I'm like, Hey man, like, let me, let me talk to your pops real quick. Like, let me just, I just, mm-hmm. let me, let me send this, send this deck, man. Let me talk to him like three times, secure the prior relationship and then rock with it, you know? So anyone. So, in every- so fun fact, and, and a lot of new syndicators don't know this, but you know, if you're talking to a referral, if somebody refers you to somebody that pre-existing relationship transfers. All right. So what, what you have to show to the SEC and, 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 and so if you're talking to a friend's dad or mom, okay, the pre-existing relationship exists through that friend. Okay. So this, this is something that, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of attorneys don't really initially advertise, you know, Mauricio Rule did a video on it a couple of weeks ago uh, on his YouTube channel. And I've talked to a couple of, of attorneys since, but what the SEC doesn't want you to do is to advertise or solicit. And if you can show yeah. that you didn't advertise or solicit to get to this person, then you're in the clear is, and for people listening, don't take that as, as legal advice, you know, but yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it's basically, if, if you, there's other ways besides, you know, going through the establishing the pre-existing relationship and pitch the deal. So anyway, you could, we could have saved you a step or two. You know, oh, that's, Awesome to know because now I got a lot of classmates of mine who are going to be getting a text from me in the next year or so to uh, for a yeah. referral. That's ask, that's awesome. Ask for, always ask for referrals. I think that's a smart thing to do. Always ask for referrals. You know, so um, you know what whatever. And this is this is a really good strategy, I think, especially if you're raising capital from from other people. Is Instead of asking them if they're interested, I think a lot of times I would prefer to ask somebody if they know anybody that's interested. And what you end up seeing a lot is people self-select. You know, it's like, hey, I'm I'm doing this great thing. I mean, you don't want a high pressure sales technique. You know, me personally, I don't like the high high pressure sales from the from the you know salesman side or from the the buyer side. But you know, if, if you start talking to somebody about what you're doing, and instead of saying, do you want to invest with me, you say do you know anybody who's interested? The people who are interested are going to say, I'm interested, you know, and the people who aren't interested may actually give you a, a name and an introduction to somebody that is interested. So anyway, pro tip there. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it, it came down for this capital raise. It came down to like three days before closing. Mm-hmm. I was on the phone with, uh, or I, I did a zoom call with, uh, one of my best friend's parents who leads a large company and I gave him the deck and he's like, how much do you need left? And, uh, he's, I was like, uh, so do I tell him we're going for 1.1 or 1.3? And I was like, you know, uh, we only, we need 1.1, but we'll take up to Mm 1.3. And he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do the rest. And we, that was like 300 K. And I was like, like, Dun, dun. I was like 1.1 or 1. He's like, no, we'll do the, we'll fill it up to 1.3. We'll fill it up. And I was like, thank you, sir. Click. And I called my partners and I was like, guys, I got it. I, I got it. Let's go. We're closing. And we, we closed uh like that Friday. Nice story. Like in, in itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now, very exciting stuff. 
Yeah, I love it. I love it. A lot, a lot of hustle went into that. You know, a lot of, a lot of good stuff there. But uh, um, so you, you told me earlier that there is a great closing story. So let's. I always ask anybody if there's any big hitches. You know, after the capital raise, any big hitches getting to the closing table. So, well, time for time for that story. Yeah. Well, you there's some hitches, and there's like, I don't know what's after a hitch, but I had every I had the wall like thrown at me on this one. So. Mm-hmm. So West Point is like, you know, West Point as a former member of the military, but for listeners who don't, West Point's a military school, military college in um, New York, just north of New York City. And so like, it's not like a normal campus where I can just leave wherever I want. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the night before the closing date, we tried to wire the money, half million dollars for the down payment Mm -hmm. from the syndication account to the title company and we couldn't mm-hmm. because uh too big a transaction whatever like we didn't have authorization and for some reason we put me as a signator on the account mm-hmm. who's that like my partners are all able to go to the banks and for some reason i was on, i was the signator who's kind of locked up at west point a little bit i don't have a lot of yeah. ease of access to go on and off you can't just leave the campus yeah um, some people, some people call it minimum security prison when you're yeah. at, you know, yes. Academy West Point. Yes. Yeah. hundred so, yeah. percent. Yeah. So, um, it's, so then it's like, oh crap, like who, who's going to drive to the bank to go do it. So it's like, okay, Trey, Trey will drive to the bank. He'll, he'll go the next day. Mm-hmm. So I'm in class and I get a text and he's like, dude, they're not letting me wire it. Mm-hmm. You have to get to a bank of America now. And I'm like, crap. Yeah. So I'm like, it's Friday of a class weekend. So my now fiance is flying in to LaGuardia Airport, New York, but I have to go 45 minutes north of West Point to a Bank of America. And it's mm-hmm. snowing. It's a nor'easter. So I'm, I sign out, I get all the approvals, like, yes, sir, I'll be back this time, whatever. So I get my truck and um, my truck won't start. <laughs> and so I call my, my best friend. I'm like, hey, dude, I need jumper cables now. I'm not using your Camry to go through this nor'easter. Like, we got to start my truck. So we get the truck started. I'm driving to the Bank of America. It's 2 p.m. Bank closes at four. We're going to make it, right? I mm-hmm. called ahead. I had an appointment, everything. So I get to the bank 45 minutes north of West Point, which is like two hours away from New York City, where my girlfriend is. And they're out of power. <laughs> oh, geez. So they're closed because there's no power in the bank. Obviously, they can't stand any wire. So I'm like, yeah. where is everyone? Everyone else is like uh, banging on the doors because everyone has an appointment and no one got notified. So now I'm like, what are we going to do? So mm-hmm. my partner was at a Bank of America in, in Alabama. Mm-hmm. I'm in New York. So I find another bank 45 minutes, even more north in Poughkeepsie, mm-hmm. New York. So now I call that Bank of America on the way. I'm like, hey, are you guys open? They're like, yes. I'm like, okay, click. So I have Trey have the Bank of America in Alabama talk to the Bank of Poughkeepsie yep. to let them know I'm coming. And I'm 22 at the time, and I don't know how to explain to these people that I have to make a half million wire transfer right now, yep. please. So I'm driving through the Nor'easter and it's like the Appalachian. So I'm like just freaking out. My partners are calling me constantly. My girlfriend's calling me because she just landed at the airport and she doesn't know where I'm at. So I'm like, honey, just wait a second. So yep. I get to the bank and they try to tell us. Like, yeah, we, we can't do it because, uh, you know, 
there's not enough time. It's 345. I won't go through. And I'm just like, please, like I'm, I'm begging you, let's work this out. And so yeah. the bank of America in Alabama calls the bank of America in New York. And after like an hour of internal discussion, while I'm waiting for some guy to get like a $5,000 auto loan in front of me, I'm like <laughs> losing my mind. I'll give you and $5,000. I, if you just get out of my way. Yeah, I'm like, I, will, like, I promise you. I'll like whatever we need to do. I'll open a thousand accounts here. Just let me get this wire through. And I got a ton of people calling me and I'm just like, guys, I got it. So bank of America in Alabama convinced the bank of America in Poughkeepsie, New York to uh, let us send this through. Mm -hmm. So we ended up getting the money wired from the bank of America in Poughkeepsie <laughs> to Chattanooga, the title company. And we ended up closing and like the lady at the counter, like looked at the, statement she's like what business are you in guys and i'm like we're, we're buying a motel like just like please yeah. just wire it like let's yeah. go let's go and so that was like craziness wired all the money i still have like the wire statement mm -hmm. copied like in my truck just to look at sometimes because uh, it was such yeah. a crazy story yeah. and then and I, this I is yeah we we had a similar lesson i mean we, we weren't quite down to the wire on this but we've had a couple of times where we're trying to wire money and in the same thing, I mean, there, there's been a lot of bank fraud, a lot of wire fraud. And so a lot of banks, when you're wiring a large amount of money, want you to be there in person. You know? Yeah. And, and I, you I get that. Yeah, I, I, I get that 100%. And, like, and I promise you, I'm not a mobster. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and the banks won't budge on this. You know, I, I've had I, I've invested passively in a couple of deals where I set up the wire and then it's just like, all right, I guess I'm driving to the bank again. You know, this is annoying, you know, and, yeah. and same thing with, with some of the larger investments. You know, we, we had to go through like a, a full hour, you know, on the line with, we, we use Chase Bank, but a full hour on the line with Chase Bank to get to the point to where we could wire large amounts um, from our account without having to show up to the bank, you know, and it's, yeah, um, yeah they, they that take relationship and they don't budge. Sure helpful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No budging at all. And so don't budge. Yeah. Needless to say, we got it wired. I even got a couple like smaller transactions wired to insurance and whatever. And then me and my partners were so stressed out and just like stressed with each other. We're like, all right, guys, I'll talk to you on Monday. I'm not talking to you all weekend. Yep. I'm turning my phone off. And then I drove like three hours now down to New York City to go yep. from the airport. And then we had a great weekend so it ended up awesome but at the yeah. time it was a it's a good first deal story there there there's a i mean everybody has a hitch especially in their first deal and um you know part of it is you don't know what you don't know and i, I think that's that's true for just about everybody you don't know what you don't know we had a hitch on our last closing that i should have understood one of our partners who was signing on the loan and this is this is syndication number 10 for me um was out of the country and you have to get documents notarized and yeah. some countries don't have notaries and some banks don't accept foreign notaries you know and that's yeah. one thing that uh that's one thing that delayed our closing is because you know i i was i've notarized stuff overseas you know but i'm military and i go to the embassy you know yeah. it's, it's like uh, or I go to the the, the military base and I, I notarize stuff. And for some reason, I didn't think that. But yeah, there's always little hitches. And every time 
every time you go through them, you know, you're like, okay, there's one more thing to, to check on, you know, one more check in the box I got to put in before we get to the closing table. Yeah. So, so I, I guess lesson learned, you know, make sure you have more than one signatory on your accounts, Yes. Um, you know, and make sure, you know, you know, who's got to be there in person a couple of days out because um, no doubt. Yeah. We've, we've had that issue as well, where we've had to, Oh crap, I've got to drive to the bank now. You know, didn't, didn't plan on that. I, I did something similar from the Pentagon where I had to, you know, in the middle of the day, get up and be like, Hey boss, I'm going to be gone for two hours, you know, but yeah. Um, little less of a minimum security prison is the Pentagon, but yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. No. So, um, anyway, so let's, uh, let's talk about, we, I think, I think we we've hit pretty much everything in the deal, anything, any major learning points that we didn't discuss already. The rezoning process is interesting. Okay. I think that's a lot of, that's a big piece. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. underwrite. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, especially when we're talking about lowering cap rate and making it a more passive investment, like mm-hmm. the risk is automatically going to go up or no one's even going to buy if it's rezoned wrong. Yeah. So we bought it and took the risk that we were going to be able to rezone it from all residential mm-hmm. to all commercial. Yeah. And you know, we that was a great learning process because I know that's going to come up later that you know we we've done it once now. So we kind of mm-hmm. you know got a mental rep. So we went to the county commissioners meeting. We talked to the people we had to talk to and got that approved. That was a good learning point. I think, um, especially for the first time, you definitely have to like put that into your risk yeah. assessment. And that that's something I think you're absolutely right. It's very much going to affect the resale. If, you, if you're not zoned properly, you know, a lot of people aren't going to touch it, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, I personally don't have any experience rezoning. And so, you know, if I'm looking at something like that, that needs to be rezoned, you know, I'm going to be like, you know what, let's look at something else, you know, in a, in a lot of ways or, eh, you know, I don't even know what to what to do with the rezoning. So good point there. I mean, you're, you're making it attractive to the ne- next buyer, but at the same time, if it's not zoned right and the city or county officials find out you're operating it different than the zoning, I mean, you can be slapped with fines and yeah. a lot of, a lot of issues there. So, um, all right. So, Final stretch here. Let's let's wrap it up with a couple of quick questions. What's next for you? I'm gonna keep, you know, doing what we're doing. We're gonna me, my brother, and my best friend. We're gonna keep purchasing Section Eight rentals and improving our community back home in Flint through uh, we call it the Bears Company. And then mm-hmm. my Tennessee Home Solutions gonna keep uh, wholesaling and flipping and eight to twelve deals a month in large mm-hmm. volumes in Nashville. And then we're breaking off and making a multifamily branch, mm-hmm. uh, FBG equity management. That's going to, that's on the works in the next few weeks to brand and build out that process. And that's mm-hmm. what we're going to be running, you know, syndications on. We're hoping to do another offering by the end of the year, at least start um, raising for it. And then hopefully next year we'll get two or three. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of the plan is let the single family pay the W-2 and then let the uh, syndications keep building the generational wealth, man. Nice. Nice. Well, I love it. And, you know, best of luck to you. It's uh, great, great having you in the tribe, you know, something else I'll say, but. Uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And, and something, something he didn't mention, you know, he's, he's headed to uh, uh, Fort Benning in Georgia for some, some training as an armor officer in the army. And, you know, we'll be, you know, working, working hard to keep the country safe for the next couple of years. Thanks for your service. Thanks for all that you do. And thanks for coming on the thanks podcast for your service today. Brian. I appreciate um, it. Yeah. And then actually, you know, I, I, 
get, getting ahead of myself here, you know, I, there, there's one question I have to ask everybody, you know, what advice would you give an aspiring investor six to 12 months behind you? I'd say for someone my age, I'd be like, don't try to force your legitimacy mm-hmm. onto people. Yeah. If I was to talk to myself 12 months ago, because we would have been getting ready for the capital raise and, you know, coming as a 23 year old, uh, senior college student trying to raise a large sum of money, I found myself overcompensating a lot yeah. on my legitimacy. And I'm like, just be authentic. Like it's your authenticity is going to come now mm-hmm. and you can let it come now, or you're going to have to, it's going to come out in bad ways later. Yeah. So don't force the authenticity piece of your legitimacy, like be upfront. Like this, this was my first deal. And I told him like, this is my first deal. This mm-hmm. is what I've done in the past with single family. My partners are experienced in this. They've done Airbnbs. Like, I know it's a risk, but you know we're going to execute the business plan. And they understand that because they're also Westbound grads. Yeah. So for someone twelve months ago, especially you know younger and doing their first syndication, be authentic with yourself and just trust your business plan. Because if you're not authentic naturally in the beginning, your authenticity is going to come in bad ways later. Yeah. Like you're going to get exposed later. So just be authentic from the front and then you're going to build trust, build rapport, and you're going to be all the better for it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is a long game too. And that's something I think a lot of people don't remember is that they try to, they try to force it up front to speed the process up. But I, I think you really need to, you know, if I, if I were to add my two cents to that, you really need to step back and realize that this is a long game we're playing, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't want to ruin a relationship by, trying to push it too hard up front and something that i've seen and hopefully you see as well a lot of people who turned me down on the first investment opportunity because i was a brand new syndicator invested in deal number three or deal number five or deal number eight right Mm -hmm. so think of it long term and i think that's that's really great advice you know don't force it on people so don't force yourself don't force your um yeah your 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 name or your brand. So yeah. anyway, last question for you. How can listeners learn more about you? Yeah, we're, uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn, you know, Briar Bears, B-R-I-A-R-B-E-A-R-S-S on LinkedIn. I respond to any message. You'll see our companies on there right in my uh, profile. So if anyone's wanting to just learn or just network, I'm always open to it. Awesome. And we'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So if anybody's interested in reaching out to to Briar on LinkedIn, check out the show notes and there should be a link to to whisk you away to his LinkedIn page. Now, as we close up, once again, thank you very much for for coming on the show. Thanks for your service today, service to our country. Really much appreciate that from, from one veteran to another. Best of luck to you. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. And then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show, go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com and fill out the questionnaire on the website. And for more educational content and for more information about our educational community, check us out at thetribeoftitans.info.